which is a really very good name. Baby grade. <laughs> You're in a bit of a hurry there, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just end, please. The sweet release of death. Uh, yeah, the problem is you're also not hitting for any power. Which... Shh, dude. Shh. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. And welcome to episode number 111 of Artificial Turf Wars. Our roster is waiver claim free. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I'm joined as usual by Joshua Housem. Josh, how are you doing? Happy we didn't record yesterday. <laughs> yes, yes. We, actually, we have a question about that. But um, so <laughs> we will talk to, this week about uh, some big moves. We, we, first of all, we got to talk about the team is still playing ball games, although I think it's pretty obvious they don't matter. Um, they swept. They got swept. That's weird in and of itself. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is about to set a team record, which is nice for him, and we'll give him a little bit of props. Uh, Sung Hwang Oh, not a Blue Jay anymore. Jay Hap, not a Blue Jay anymore, but a whole bunch of guys are Blue Jays or maybe future Blue Jays. Uh, they might be m minor leaguers. Um, uh, waiver claim. A weird little bit of behavior from Marcus Stroman on, on the Twitter, um, which... I don't know what it means. We'll talk about what it means. And then we have your questions. We have lots and lots of your questions. This last half of the show is going to be all about you folks. But first, it's about the Blue Jays who uh, who swept the Orioles. Wasn't that epic? Yeah, the Orioles are really bad. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you use the word epic. I think that that works well to describe how bad the <laughs> Orioles are. Um, you know, often when when you watch sports, I think most people tend to fall into this trap of if 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 you win or lose a game, you somehow place more than fifty percent of the responsibility for the result on your own team, right? Yep. Like the Blue Jays won that one. I think safely you could say that two out of those three games, at least, the Orioles lost those games. The Blue Jays did not win that. <laughs> yeah, and I think you, if you looked over at the Orioles' schedule, you could say that for a lot of games. Uh, here's a weird statistic. There are 286 <laughs> major and minor league baseball teams currently playing in affiliated leagues, to my understanding. The winning percentage of the Orioles, where do you think that ranks out of 286 teams? Dead last? Yes, they are 286. Uh, yeah, so they're losers, and they lost to the Blue Jays. But lest you think the Blue Jays actually had it in them, um, the Twins, who, as I understand it, came out of the All-Star break getting swept by the lowly Royals, they, they were there to correct the record. I think they'd lost nine in a row or something. And then the Jays were here to help. <laughs> as, you... <laughs> as I used to say so often. Uh, yeah. Wow. So even the extra inning game that probably shouldn't have been extra innings because of some sloppy fundamental play from what I could gather from the highlights uh, by Kendish Morales and maybe more, more people than that. Um, they couldn't even turn an extra inning game to a, you know, a tight nail-biting affair they lost 12-6 in extra innings yeah i was there um 
it was sort of like, okay, you know, they blew that in the ninth when someone, or was it the 10th? I can't remember. I think it was the ninth when Morales ran on a line drive right at the shortstop. And for no apparent reason, <laughs> I mean, it was really bad base running. It was like the second time he'd done it during the game. But, uh, and then we got to the 12th and the go ahead run scored on a hit by pitch. Hmm. Yeah. Questionable. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Patricia was very upset at the umpire over it. And then Gibbons got tossed on the way out to take him out of the game. And then after getting ejected, he still went to make the pitching change, which is amazing. <laughs> Give me the best, man. It's like, yeah, 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 I'll leave when I'm good and ready to leave. Yeah. And then Luis Santos came in with his gasket. <laughs> <laughs> It was like hit, 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 and then it was twelve six. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you usually see six run losses in extra innings, but there you go. Yeah. Thanks for coming out. Um, so yeah, the, I mean the Blue Jays have been buried in the standings for a while, but it they don't they don't seem to really be bringing their A game except against the Orioles at all. So it, it was only a matter of time before pieces started to move, and and the Blue Jays are going to get worse. We know that. Um, but before we discuss the Blue Jays getting worse, we should we should go to the bright spot, right? Because finishing on Luis Santos and his gas can is not very nice. <laughs> no. Well, we'll just say something good. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is one game away from tying the Blue Jays' record for consecutive two-hit games with eight. He has eight. The record is nine, which is incredible. Yeah. Now, that's a minimum of two hits. Like, if you've got a three-hit game, yeah, that wouldn't two break. Two or more. Games. He's got two 17 hits over the eight games. That's pretty cool. Uh, so does that mean Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is good or is going to round into something good? Like, I can't figure him out as a player because uh, you ask his brother and his brother will tell you he's fantastic. But I've I've known family members to be biased when it comes to scouting their family members. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're sort of seeing what Gurriel is going to be. He's you know, he makes a lot of contact, doesn't strike out a whole lot and he doesn't walk. <laughs> so... You know, on, when he when the ball is falling, he's going to be productive, and when it's not, he won't. He's got a little bit of pop, so I mean that will help. But I think it will limit his ceiling for sure. Does he seem like a guy who can legitimately fill in at shortstop for you? Nope. So I, I all that sounds really familiar for some reason. Oh, hmm. that description: guy who doesn't walk, doesn't strike out, puts the bat on the ball a lot, has a little bit of pop, but can't really play short. Sounds like Devin Travis. Yeah, well, I mean, Devin Travis was never supposed to play short. (laughs) Or it sounds like somebody we might be talking about soon. Oh, yeah. Well, once the Blue Jays get on, uh, it's like a meme, I think, with the Blue Jays. Once they get on one pattern, they get kind of stuck, like, reworking it, like, with outfielders this year, right? I mean, why have one Teoscar Hernandez when you could have three? Yep, and then now the Jays have a couple of Jan Hervis-Solartes. Mmm, good times. All right. So uh, before we get to the return for Hap, which is, well, okay, I guess also the return for um, O, which uh, internet did not fail me. Everyone responded to notification that O had been traded with, with simply O. Um, he was the first to leave after Steve Pierce, so first pitcher to leave it's getting really close to the deadline. So, I mean, you can't do them all on deadline day, right? 
Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a reliever, like someone know it's sort of you should make the trade when you get the offer that you feel is good enough. But for starters, every extra start is more valuable to the opposing to the other team. So they want to get them before the deadline because Hap was supposed to pitch this weekend. But now, obviously, he's not going to. Makes perfect sense. So who did we get for O? I mean, what, what are the name? Well, the one name I really like, <laughs> just based on name alone. But who did we get? Okay, so uh, is the name that you like Forest Wall? Absolutely. <laughs> so I'll talk about, we'll go with them one after the other. So Forest Wall, which is a really very good name. 80 grade. <laughs> <laughs> he was a, he's a former first round pick. And he was, well, 35th overall, so supplemental first round. And he was, you know, the top 100 prospect for a couple of years entering 2016. But... Uh, he had some minor injury issues and he didn't, you know, go necessarily as well developing like his 2016 season wasn't very good. And 2017, he was doing well and then he hurt his shoulder. So he's in double A now and doing not very well, but it's, you know, he just came back from shoulder surgery. So it's sort of a wait and see with what he'll be plays the outfield now, doesn't play second anymore, but he's supposed to be a high contact guy with, with speed. And you know, that's useful. Yeah. I think the guys have, uh, have been sadly lacking now i know you're not going to necessarily steal bases all the time but they really haven't had a guy uh who you could use as a a a bench option to pinch run you know other than uh dalton pompey from time to time right like if we is there any guy you'd put in just because he was fast uh and keep him on the the roster as an outfielder Uh, anthony alford i guess would be the answer to that but you want him to be playing every day and you know, Wall is not developed into a base stealer yet, but he's fast. And you know, even if you're not stealing bases, being able to score from first on a double is a skill that this team doesn't have so much of. <laughs> it's that's getting tired, you know that that whole oh, literally station to station baseball. Mm, that's and that's all up and down the lineup too. So that's cool. So that's the forest wall, which uh, I don't know where the forest wall is located, but it sounds like a place I would want to visit just to see what it looked like. Number guy, guy number two, wall? yeah, the forest wall. It sounds like you're saying the fourth wall. It's like, are we, no, no. Are we breaching the fourth wall with this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> we could. Uh, it's tough to turn to the microphone in a podcast, <laughs> like you true. return to the camera. You, I'm sure there's a way to do it. Uh, okay, so return prospect number two for O. Chad Spanberger. Still a 70 degree grade name, Spanberger. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, they're both they're both good names. Uh, he's a minor league first base prospect, sixth rounder from last year. He's you know, he's having a good year, though he's a little old for his level. And I, I was reading something that was saying that uh, they they thought a scout who thought he was just sticking around in the level, so he's sort of a showcase for trades because hmm. he's got big time power, and that's like a universal description of what he is. But he'll that so far is to be is really the only skill you know he he might struggle to make a ton of contact and so it's development will be really important for him i think anytime you hear the words first base prospect there should be at the very least an amber light that goes on or or something like that because that that truly means the guy is gonna have to make it with his bat because they're not moving someone off of first base as he moves up levels right yeah, although I, I did hear uh, or, or read a scout saying that he was athletic enough that he could play the outfield. But yet they don't have him doing that. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So 
what was your take on on the overall value of that swap? Well, I mean, when you're talking about dealing a middle reliever, which is really what Sun Wano is, he's not he's not a late inning reliever despite his numbers, especially not when it comes to the trade context. No team's acquiring him for that role. I think it's pretty good to get a couple of guys that have some ceiling attached. And both of them were in the top 30 prospects by everyone's count on the Rockies list. Some had Walls high seventh and as low as 13th. So, you know, they're guys. And getting a couple of players who could be big leaguers down the road for someone else, not bad. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because you, you really, I mean, O did have that extra year in his contract. I think that got you a whole lot more than, than you might have got uh, out of the Rockies otherwise. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see the same kind of thing for Tyler Clippard, for example. Indeed. All right. The the big deal uh, is Jay Happ, who we've known was leaving for a long time and we suspected was going to the Yankees for a long time. And shock of shocks, Jay Happ got traded to the Yankees. Except not at all for what anybody was expecting. No. I mean, when everyone was talking about Jay Happ going to the New York Yankees... There were some people wanting Clint Frazier. You know, he's an outfielder, but he's a good, you know, high ceiling prospect. But otherwise, it was one of their 950 pitching prospects because they have they are loaded in the minors with pitching and pitching this close to the big leagues. Yeah, that's not what happened. No, because the Jays got stuck on uh, that button they keep pressing to acquire infielder type guys with limited positional flexibility, despite being infielders. That button they pressed it again. Yeah, and this it's weird. Like they went for fl- almost like high floor as opposed to ceiling when they're a rebuilding club, which is a little confusing. Maybe it means they're going to try and go for it again next year. I don't know. We'll get to that in a bit more. But yeah, they got Brandon Drury, who is basically a slightly better version of Jan Hervis Salarte. He can play second. He can play third. He can. I mean, you really don't want him at shortstop, and he can play the outfield a little bit. It's for average. A little bit of pop, walks some, but not too much. Although he did apparently have some eye problems, vision problems that got fixed this year, and he's walking a lot in the minor leagues. So who knows, really? But he's also 25 in the minor leagues. So you know, he, he kind of is what he is. A, a useful big leaguer, but not really anything better than that. Yeah, and I mean, you, you would have to think that, that there, like you said, there's not a lot of ceiling there. If he's 25 years old, we've seen that aging curve on lots of guys unless they have a uh you know a, a magic moment like a jose bautista or a josh donaldson does they're probably you know what guy you're getting yeah exactly and you know what he's get what you are getting brandon drury is a good baseball player and he's someone you want to have on your roster i wanted the jays to go after him in the offseason then they got solarte and diaz and didn't matter so much and they still have solarte and diaz <laughs> um yeah, somebody should probably tell them there's a limit on like 25 big leaguers. You can't and <laughs> can't you just put more people on the roster because you felt like it. Uh, yeah. So well, they also now on the big league roster have Solarte, Drury, Diaz, Guriel, and Travis. It's an all second base infield. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And the, and then in the outfield, if you're putting Drury out there, you still have. Smith Jr., Granderson, Grichuk, Teoscar, and Drury. So there's a, a, once again, a very big roster crunch from guys who need to play. So I do think it's going to lead to a trade of Jan Harvest Solarte or similar, you know, someone like that. 
or even if it's just Granderson, just in Drury can platoon with uh, Smith Jr., but just something to make it so everyone can play a bit more. Yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, it just doesn't... I, I know this is not the... It doesn't matter what quote-unquote shape the team is in this year in terms of winning games, but if you're if you're trying to get people onto the field and get them reps, uh, or you're trying to... Yeah. If you're trying to do anything, having having 18 guys all log jammed up at the same kind of profile, and still, Diaz is the shortstop, but he's is he hitting like an everyday shortstop? No, I mean he's hitting he's hitting well enough that with good defense you can accept it, and he's actually playing better defense than he has in the past at shortstop. His OPS you know, is 693, which is not good but it's acceptable. Like he's a half war player. Which, yeah. I mean, you can play him. I still don't know if you want to play your him every day and get what you got out of him. But there's holes like that everywhere. So I, I'm not trying to pick on Diaz. Yeah. And so the other piece they got in this trade was Billy McKinney, who he's 23 years old. He's already been traded three times. And then someone will slap the has a poor makeup tag on him at some point, and then you won't know whether that means that he uh, he has extracurricular activity problems or he can't listen to coaches. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just he happens to be someone who's a decent enough prospect but not a team's elite prospect so that he gets asked for in trades. I mean, that's what happened the first time. Actually, sorry, second time. I don't know why he got to the Cubs in the first place, but when he got traded with Gleyber Torres for a role as Chapman. You know, he was a top 100, but back of the top 100 prospect guy and now he's a Blue Jay. <laughs> he's, you know, uh, he's an outfield. Sorry, easy to love and easy to move. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he, he's an outfielder. and he, This is what Kyler McDaniel from Fangraphs had to say about him. He's a scout there. So he's a left field fit, fringy runner with a below average arm, but above average raw power and flashes of 55 hit and power tools. Looking more like power over a hit with in-game lift trending up. So basically, he said he's a Ben Gamble type with <laughs> with less exciting hair because right. Ben Gamble has a serious flow going. But obviously, you know, basically he's saying he could be a he could be a starting outfielder if everything goes right, and if not, he's a fourth outfielder. God, I, that doesn't sound familiar at all. <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing with this trade. I mean, on a pure value perspective. Getting a guy who could be an everyday third baseman, which is what Brandon Drury is. I mean, you could play him every day at third and it would be fine. And then getting a guy who should be a major league outfielder for a pitcher who's not an ace for two months. That's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't make sense with this roster. Yeah, there's value and there's fit. And there's right. no fit at all, regardless of the value. So I, I, everybody is speculating on on the Twitter that... Um, that means that the value is there so it can get moved for something else, that you you turn that value around until you shape a roster. I, I'm wondering how quickly or slowly that happens. That's what I'm yeah. curious. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, in my head, this deal was made knowing that they have offers out there for Jan Hervis Solarte or, or one of the other guys. I mean, I don't know who it is, but that they're willing to accept if they can't do better. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's the only reason this makes sense. Because, Brent, like I said, Brendan Drury is just a slightly better Jan Hervis Solarte. That's what he is. And they've already got Jan Hervis Solarte. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird trade. 
I I see this a lot though when we, we talk about the Jays front office it seems like we're always going well then we'll wait for the other shoe to drop and it turns out the other shoe drops in like October <laughs> it, it just it, things don't seem to move as much as we expect them to with the roster and then much much later things start to take shape so I'm not I know it should happen this season or, you know, maybe even after the the non-waiver trade deadline or maybe one more move before it. But I just I have this feeling that that inertia will will once again rear its ugly head. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's entirely possible that that's what's going to happen. You know, we talked about this, like you're saying, this roster crunch that they had in the beginning of the season. They traded Steve Pierce in June, although they might have wanted to do that earlier, but he got hurt. Shocker. But <laughs> in. I don't know. I, I think it might be a little different this time because they're now clearly on a at least some level of a teardown with in terms of you know getting rid of assets that they can get stuff for, and it just doesn't make any logical sense in that mode to keep the floor of your big league team high because this entering the season the idea was a, a high floor so if everyone stays healthy they'd have a shot at the wild card, yeah, but that's not the case anymore, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, right now you, you don't need any of these wins. They are not doing anything for you. So don't worry about them. Get wins. But I suppose it is also tough to strategize to get, to get that high ceiling in place wholesale by, you know, opening day next year. It's not easy being a GM. No, it's, yeah, (laughs) it's quite hard in fact, but I I think this is maybe the right time for this discussion because Part of this return is, as we said, it's like it's it's big league ready level assets. And we talked about this last week with Nick, this idea of what the team should do, given whatever budget going into next year. This trade, again, unless there's more trades to follow it, looks like it's a, well, we're going to try again. Which is just weird because the, the success that this team has had in in 2015 and 2016 was built on um a, a solid roster but you you absolutely had two or three perennial all-star players leading the way not just in name you had a Josh Donaldson or you had a resurgent Jose Bautista or you had an Edwin Encarnacion uh or you had you know an American League ERA leader in Aaron Sanchez or you know I could there there were at least a few players who you went, well, they're going to be able to carry the team if things aren't going well for a few weeks. Does this roster have any of those guys healthy left? I mean, clearly the answer to that question is no. And I, but I'm wondering if the idea is to, no, this is sort of what I talked about on the podcast. The idea is to do that around Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, bring those guys up and then bring Danny Jansen up and Anthony Alford up and then surround them with, decent floor players for year one so that they're respectable and then go for it the year after. So if you're doing that, um, I wonder just personally, I would want to kind of throw the service clock time maybe to the wind. If you're, if you're really planning on going, okay, so you're thinking you're going for it in 2020 and they're starting the clock on all those guys in 2019. Sure. Would you not want to find out now if maybe one or two of those guys you think are about to become your superstars actually don't, quote-unquote, have it? Like, what if Danny Jansen can't hit Major League Pitching? What if he has trouble handling a Major League Pitching staff? 
And well, you're not going to find that out for in two months in this season anyway. I mean, right. Give them a full year, and then you can actually get a sense of what it's going to be. So I, I think that it, that's sort of the the blending of the short and the long term. Because if they are that, you don't want to have blown their year. Fair enough. All right. So, yeah, I, I can see those guys getting called up very early in 2019, though, because you, you need to start figuring out exactly what you've got. And you need, oh, yeah. you need stars. Yeah, I mean, I think Jansen will actually probably come up this this off season or this, this off season. <laughs> He'll come up and play in the off season. You're in a bit of a hurry there, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just end, please. The sweet release of death. Uh, no, I think he'll come up probably in the end of the season just to get his feet wet. But the other two guys, you know, it'll be like, okay, the the free agent deadline is passed. You're up. You're you've worked on your defense or whatever the excuse they use to keep him down. Yeah, there's there's always some. Yeah, we're, we're waiting for some mysterious development to occur. Okay, uh, so the Blue Jays need to fill those bodies, as we discussed. So they did claim Oliver Drake. I, I don't really know much about Oliver Drake. I won't pretend to be deeply interested, but I just wanted to warn people that there's going to be a lot of names you barely recognize making their way through the Jays roster. Yeah, this <laughs> the back half of this season, or back third, I guess, is going to be really interesting because Oliver Drake is bad. <laughs> He's not good. <laughs> He's on his third team of the of the season. His lowest ERA with any of those three teams is five point one nine. Nice, nice. I like. Yep. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> No, no, he's he's not good, and he's never been good at any level, and he's thirty-one. So I mean, this isn't some prospect that's thirty-one. Have, yeah, <sighs> almost as old as you. No, maybe. Yeah, I'm thirty-three, so almost as old as me. But he, uh, so it's going to be guys like this, and I mean, I think he's just a a very short term because due to option rules, there are certain guys they can't call up right now, and they traded O, and they traded Hap, and so they need a pitcher. But I think the back half of the season is going to see a lot of these guys that are a little scary to watch when they're on the field. They may have waiver claimed a belly itcher instead. We will check back with you next week. You, you remember that? We want to pitch. You got no. a pitcher? No, no. Yeah, 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 I remember right. that. Okay, fine. <laughs> Marcus Stroman, he's out there. I am blocked from reading Marcus Stroman's tweets, but I have been lucky enough to read someone else's tweet who screenshotted something Marcus Stroman did, so I, I feel like I'm in the loop now. Uh, I will read. It's Michael McDiarmid's tweet. So Andrew Stoughton tweeted out a John Morosi tweet. You with me? Yep. Sources. Blue Jays and Braves have discussed the Marcus Stroman trade, although there's no evidence of current progress story, which is cool. Morosi loves to get on Toronto radio and stir up all kinds of stuff. Yeah, just before you advance, that was like peak Morosi. These two teams have spoken. There's no evidence that they're even remotely considering an actual trade, but they've spoken, so I'm going to make it sound interesting. Yeah, you and I have spoken. We have traded nothing. It's, <laughs> um, however, Michael at MikeMac2112 noticed that Marcus Stroman liked that tweet discussing the possibility that he might get traded to the Braves. I don't know what to make of this. Stroman I mean, wants out of town. <laughs> I guarantee you there's going to be people saying that's what it means. Uh, Stroman is a, a very interesting Twitter personality. Half of his likes are things he likes and half of them are things he uses as hater fuel. A few years back, I can't remember when it was. It was, it was entering 2015 or something like that. 
Yeah, it was. Someone had said that Marcus Stroman was the best pitcher in the American League East or second best behind Archer or something. And I suggested that, you know, like he's, I'd, I'd still have him behind Alex Cobb because Alex Cobb had done it for two years in the division. But I, but I still thought he was really good and he liked the tweet. It's like, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm guessing that's what this was, but I don't know because it's Stroman. Did he like the tweet right before he blocked you? Oh, wait, he no. did not block me. That's, I am not blocked by Marcus Stroman. That's, that's you. Me. All right. Uh, yeah. So go ahead. Turneth, rumor mill. Turneth, as it were. Yeah, the next time we do one of these podcasts, there's probably going to be a couple more trades we have to talk about. Indeed. So that was Marcus Stroman going rogue. That was all of the news that was fit to print. But you, you're a curious bunch this week. Uh, I don't know if this is actually a record number of questions. I think those might have happened maybe when the team was in the playoffs. But this is pretty darn close. We're going to come back with those questions very, very shortly. All right, so that was our little respite. And, and we need a respite because we have a high hill to climb. Many, many questions like so. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? And I think question one will go to you. Question one is from Kate Stanwick at OK Stan. Hi, May Garcia. Oh, I almost called Jamie. Whoops. Um, has, <laughs> has had a couple of good outings. Has there been an uptick in his velocity or stuff in general that would explain why? Now, those those outings have not been as a starting pitcher, have they? No, he's been pitching out of the pen, and that's pretty much the answer. His velocity has been higher since shifting back towards the pen, coming back from injury. He threw, actually threw a bit harder right before getting hurt, which is kind of weird. But, yeah, he's, he's about a mile to two miles an hour harder since throwing out of the bullpen, which is pretty standard when you talk about guys moving in and out of the pen. But also, I mean, one of the biggest issues for him was his control. His control was just atrocious in the first half of the season. And that could be related to shoulder problems. I mean, that's that wouldn't be the first time that's happened. But, you know, he's had shoulder problems in the past. But if he's healthy and, the, and, and staying in the bullpen, he should be better going forward. We, that bullpen thing should be called the Brett Cecil effect because I think it saved his career. Yeah, he's not that, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there is there is no Uncle Charlie. Um, so, what do we got this for one, question two? Yeah, from Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt. How do you time your recording so something happens just after you finish? Do you have insider knowledge? I feel like we should call what we have outsider knowledge, like way <laughs> outside. Uh, we managed to record this. We, we were going to record yesterday. We actually talked about that earlier this week, and luckily there was some scheduling issues. And we had to record today because it would have been a very dull podcast. <laughs> I have no idea what we would have talked about if we did this yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Ryan Brucky pitched well again against the Twins, which he did. And that would have been worth mentioning. And then nothing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes these things work out. Now, having said that, I, I anticipate that there will be some other move. Probably as you're listening to this right now. Um, that has already occurred that makes us look kind of stupid because that's our specialty around here. 
Yeah, it'll be you know, me saying, I can't believe they did this. Like, they you know, they really should be trading Jan Hervis Solarte or whatever, and someone will be listening. It's like, what do you mean? They traded Solarte two hours ago. <laughs> uh, good stuff. We, Next yeah, question. We, we, yeah, we did have one stretch. I mentioned this before. I think it was four podcasts in a row where a move happened within 24 hours of the podcast being recorded. We called it Transaction Friday. <laughs> yep. Uh, Noah Moxon at The Mox Ball. What do you think of shutting down a few more regulars to see what's in AAA or AA? Also, in no way do I think we should see the top prospects if it affects service time clock starting. Uh, it, this is with the thought of tanking to na nab a higher quality draft spot. Yeah, I'm not in favor of this at all. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the draft slot you're going to get, I mean, it's going to be not very good or rather will be good. It'll be a high pick regardless because the team is just bad. And I don't think that tanking to get a move up a spot or two is really worth it because there are teams that are epically bad and the Blue Jays are not going to catch them. And you want the product to at least be somewhat watchable or at least teaching you something. So I don't, I don't think this is a thing. I mean, Sean Reed Foley, I think might come up because Hap is gone and they need somebody to pitch, but I don't want to see the C and D prospects just for the sake of losing. I feel like the a broken record when whenever this comes up, which is which is two things that are so much different than every other sport. Number one is a single player, even if he's a top five draft pick, um, cannot save your team. Just like Vlad Guerrero Jr. is not going to save this team when he gets called up. Um, so looking for a better pick is kind of futile if you're going from like twelfth to 10th in baseball there it's not like basketball or hockey where one guy can you know be out there all the time number two the development window is so bloody long that it also doesn't matter Vlad Guerrero Jr. was signed when he was 16 is an absolute phenomena has torn up every level of everything he's ever done and might not debut until he's 20 depending it's four years and he's he's going at lightning speed. Yeah. I mean, some college guys get there in a year or maybe two, but yeah, it's like it's not a good strategy. Well, they but they spent 4 years in college honing their craft. So, yeah, you're right. It's apples and, and oranges. Yeah. But that's not a guy it's probably not a guy you're picking top 10. It can be, but I don't know. Unless I you're guess like top was. 3. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, not a strategy either of us likes. What do we got? No. Okay, this question comes from hashtag not forward at Chris Weaver 316. Political commentary I, I, on the I, podcast. I, I have bad news for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you lost that one. but uh, <laughs> Or we all lost that one, depending on your point of view. But yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah. So are there any players who are not rentals that you can see being dealt? For example, Osuna, Pilar, dot, dot, dot. Uh, I think we talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago. I can see Osuna being dealt um for and i mean nick can see him being dealt one for one for someone just to get him off the team i can see osuna being dealt um because they don't want to associate with him but they're they're obviously gonna see if they can get value for him so there's that pilar i don't know pilar's injured so seems unlikely at this point yeah i agree i think pilar would have been a good candidate if he was healthy just because he's not part of the next winner, but I don't know. I guess Osuna theoretically could be traded in August because if the Jays wave him on August 1st, 
but if, before his hearings is scheduled is done, there's a chance he could clear waivers. I don't think it's a good chance, but there's a chance. And I don't know. I, do, I don't think he'll get traded. I think it's guys we talked about like Tapera and Solarte, and maybe if they get blown away for Stroman or something like that. But I don't really see controllable players other than relievers and superfluous guys being dealt. So we have another one here. Ben Tussum uh, at B Tussum asks, I'm always curious when new prospects come in the org, who leaves to accommodate? There's only so many spaces available. Is there someone that keeps track of this? Thanks. So in general, I mean, there's always easy ways to accommodate new prospects in the minor leagues. There's all teams carry a bunch of players that they're known as org guys. Basically, their entire role is to fill out a spot in the organization so, they, so they can field full teams. So if you really needed the roster spot, you could just cut one of those guys. But the, the bigger issue here is 40-man roster spots. And we saw this sort of with the Yankees when they made the trade for when they traded Billy McKinney to the Blue Jays and when they traded Dylan Tate to uh, like to Baltimore for uh, for Zach Britton so he can not pitch another wildcard game. But, uh, oh, yeah, the, the Yankees <laughs> have so many prospects that are at the same developmental period that they were going to have a lot of trouble when the 40-man roster deadlines came because they were going to have to expose a bunch of good players to the Rule 5 draft. So that's sort of where having too many guys at the same level is becomes a problem. And the Jays don't have that yet. So that, I mean, that's really what the, the question. And uh, as to who, someone who keeps track of that, Bluebird Banter does a really good job of this. And if you could just ask at minor league or and he'll send you the link because it's a really good resource. Yeah. The roster tree specifically for the major leaguers, but I'm sure he has tons of info because he does enjoy record keeping. Also, if you're wondering about a player's uniform number, minor leaguer, good resource. <laughs> totally apropos of nothing, my favorite org guy of all time was Ricardo Nanita. He wasn't supposed to be an org guy, but he, he turned up, into one. He ended up being one, and he was signed out of the Mexican League because the Jays needed guys in AAA. Uh, he, I don't believe he ever played a, a, a game for the major league team. Um, he ended up playing on the World Baseball Classic roster for Dominican Republic, I think it was. Yeah, he's Dominican. He's Dominican. Uh, then I saw him playing a baseball on a summer league in South America. He was on some highlights. Then I saw him in, I believe, Korea or I think it was Korea. He was in the league. Uh, and then there was some sort of uh, European baseball um, showcase or whatever, and I spotted his name there as well. It led me to tweet that he will play base. He has played baseball on every continent where they will pay you to do so. And he liked the tweet. Really? Yeah. That's pretty funny. So shout out to Ricardo Nanita. I don't know where you are now, but he does, I believe, have a World Baseball Classic trophy. Huh. Yeah. And he's playing in the Mexican League right now. <laughs> it's perfect. He's right back where I started him or started realizing he existed. Uh, next one. Uh, Noel Moxon at the Mox Ball. Thoughts and outlook on Drury and McKinney. Is Drury a placeholder, that would be at third base, until Vlad arrives, uh, or a trade chip in next year's portion of the rebuild, or is there space for him longer term? So we gave our thoughts and outlook in general on them in the first part of this podcast. As for the second part, uh, I mean, I think, yeah, he's a placeholder until Vlad arrives, and I think is there space for him longer term is really going to be answered by him in the next two months of this season and first three, four months of next season, because 
he has shown the ability to be a good major league player. And if he takes another step forward, which uh, he's looking like he is so far in the minors and starts walking more or something, then he becomes a very good player and someone you could trade if you want to or keep if you want to, depending on how your build is going. So I think we have to wait on that answer. And then Mike, uh, in a similar vein, at GoSendsGo101, asked you directly, but he said you could use this as a podcast question. Uh, I wonder if part of the reason they went for older guys, like Drury, uh, for Hap, is because they know they'll be getting younger guys in the other deal. I, I mean, I assume they are going to be getting younger guys in the other deal just simply because the pieces they're going to be selling are not going to be good enough to get Major League Ready players. But I don't know. That seems like kind of a strange strategy. I mean, because you're just making the windows different and, and the timing of the players you're trying to build around different. I, I think that honestly, there was a reason they got these players when they did. I don't know what it is because as we explained in the first part, doesn't the trade doesn't make sense to me at the vac- in a vacuum. But I don't think it was necessarily related to the potential returns in other deals. The, the process is a bit opaque for my liking, I, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess the thinking here too, which, which which would make sense is if they know they can get some good some good prospects for Jan Hervis Solarte, they can upgrade on the big league roster while still addressing the minor league roster. That would make sense to me. All right, what's our next question? Okay, the next question comes from Heated End at Heated End. How many infielders will the Blue Jays field if the Jays can field infielders? <laughs> Our our first humorous question. Yeah. Martin and Drury with current compliment to have six infielders. Who says no? I don't really know what that last part means, but everybody there's a lot actually, of infielders on this roster. I think I think everybody says no to to six <laughs> infielders, because that would leave uh Randall Grichuk just wandering the outfield like Moses in the desert. <laughs> yeah, the Angels uh the Angels, the twins went with the five infielder defense against the Blue Jays yesterday. Yeah, you got to step up your game. You got to get up to six. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it really does throw water on the uh, Russell Martin if he if he's having trouble catching. Should play a utility position though, uh, role. He can play center. Hey, there we go. Oh my goodness. All right. So uh, Luke can't even anymore. At split letters gets our final question. Uh, he was asking a question about Jerry Hap getting traded. Uh, had to scratch that one. We question number two. Explain to me why this front office seems to love guys who can't walk. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Travis, Guriel, Pilar, Gritchick doesn't walk very much. And I mean Drury so this is a bit overstated with Brandon Drury. He doesn't walk a lot. But he, he's not allergic to it like some of these guys. You know, he had 31 walks in, in 2016 and 28 walks in 2017 and, you know, under 500 play appearances both seasons. So it's not horrible. It's just not – he doesn't walk a lot. But still, there, there, there's always a profile for an organization. And, I, and when the Blue Jays were good at grinding out at bats in 2015, it happened a lot. Um, you know, good things tended to happen. These guys – yeah. I mean, I think right now it's just they're sort of in a situation where they're getting decent players however they can get them. They've gotten a lot of these kind of guys. I mean, Martin still walks a ton. He doesn't do anything else, but he walks a ton. Yeah, and... it amazes me when people mock Russell's Martin bat- Russell Martin's batting average, which is admittedly a, a, a sad-looking thing, is he still manages to get on base at a league-average clip. I There's very few guys who can do that. 
Yeah, the problem is he's also not hitting for any power, which... Dude, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't expect this is going to be a trait that's going to continue with this team, especially, you know, when you look at the guys that are going to be coming up. Jansen takes more walk, walks more than he strikes out. Guerrero walks more than he strikes out. I think that we'll see a little switch once the next wave of prospects comes up. That was, that was tougher to say than the tongue twister. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't it be epic if, if the team just felt different because there was young blood? Um, yeah, we'll get there. We got to the end of the questions list in one piece. We did. Uh, that would mean uh, I've got to give you an opportunity to present me with your final thought. But, as I understand it, you thought I should give my final thought first for a change. Yeah, change it up once. All right, we'll, we'll switch it. My final thought this week is I have been a, a sporadic Blue Jays fan throughout their history. So um, I, I came back in, in 2007 after being a World Series type fan for, for three or four years. Um, I've never seen a gutted Blue Jays team or a teardown of a Blue Jays team because even in 2010 when the Blue Jays... It looked like they kind of ran out of money and gas and offered up Alex Rios on waivers and then let him go for nothing. Um, the Blue Jays were still never tearing things down. They were always trying to bring guys in and, and tweak things. Unfortunately, they were always ending up between like 75 and 85 wins, but it was never for lack of, of fiddling around trying to make something happen because there was a Roy Halladay on the roster or, you know, they believe Vernon Wells was a really good player or they brought Scott Rowland in and thought he could do something for them, that kind of thing. I don't know what that's going to feel like to see the team just on fumes for the next couple of months. It's kind of a weird thing for me. Yeah, and my, so my, part of the reason I wanted you to go first because you hinted that was going to be what you were going to talk about. I can't remember the last time the Blue Jays were pure sellers at the deadline. and this part's at least kind of fun. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> the, the, Oh, this guy's uh he, he might be traded. And then it's like, Oh, the teams are in. It's like, okay, who are these guys going to offer? Who are these guys can offer? And then you find out it's Brandon Drury and you get upset. And <laughs> it's at least somewhat exciting because the rest of the season isn't. And you know, I like this. It's not fun watching this team right now. We talked about that before. It's going to get even worse going forward, but you know, thinking about how they're going to address the problems and how they might be trying to fix the future of this club and, and all the speculation, it's kind of fun to do. Because last year's like they traded Liriano. You know, it's all they had because <laughs> Estrada was pitching terribly, Bautista was playing terribly, there was no one else. Yeah, yeah. This team definitely did manage to cultivate some more assets. Uh and and it is I almost, guess they had Joe Smith. Yeah, they had Joe Smith. But it's almost as exciting as um as the free agency season. It's kind of like a, a little free agency preview, maybe. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. All right. Uh, if you enjoy us, us talking about anything but the games themselves, uh, you can uh, help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash turfpod and uh, making a pledge. And if you cruise over there and make a pledge, we will potentially thank you right here on the podcast. We'll, uh, you can see what, what level of pledge will get you that. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and you have been... Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 111. And we'll talk at you next week.